Welcome to the Spooky Tales podcast presented by me, John. And me, Louise. We have been fascinated by spooky goings-on since we can remember and wanted to share with you the stories that pique our interest. Today's story is of hauntings, possession, poltergeist, psychological manipulation and an unexpected twist. It's the spooky tale of the shrunken sailor. Welcome to the Spooky Tales podcast. A special shout out to the fabulous Kaz or my very own little home library as they are known on Instagram. I hope you are enjoying your ironing. Don't forget to use the squirty, steamy thing if the garment is dry and always empty your iron so it doesn't fur up. Top tips for you there. So then, John Spooky, what's today's spooky tale? Today's tale is of the shrunken sailor, a skeleton only 10 inches in length, which resides in a small box with a glass lid. What? Not a real skeleton, obviously. Well, the skeleton is said to be that of one William Young, a sailor who died in 1747, aged 48, in Brixham, a quaint fishing village in Devon in the southwest of England. Really? But how? I mean, you're saying that he was 10 inches when he died? Yes. But how? That's not possible. So he was... I don't understand. Was he normal height at some point and started shrinking? Yes. What? So what happened? Well, William Young was a sailor who had sailed on ships transporting slaves from West Africa to the Americas. On one fateful voyage, he was cursed by a witch doctor. And when he returned home to Brixham, he started to shrink. He was 5 foot 11 inches when he returned home. And as he got smaller and smaller, he became more and more weak and unwell until eventually he died at just 10 inches tall. That cannot be true. He would have died way longer before that, surely. Well, maybe not if it was part of the curse, uh, because he was cursed. So, uh, you know, it was an extending suffering as he shrank smaller and smaller. I still don't buy it. There are local church records of a 10-inch wooden casket being made in 1747. Crikey. So what did he do to the witch doctor to get such a terrible curse? We don't know. Probably wasn't very friendly to the people who were being enslaved or just the fact that they were being enslaved and he was there. Who knows? There is a secondary curse that surrounds the skeleton. And now there's a second curse? Yes. It's all very confusing. What do you mean? Well, the reason we know about the skeleton is because it was found, including the casket, in the wall of a cottage in Dashbers, a lane in Brixham, which was undergoing renovations in the early 1970s. I think it was 1974. William Young, therefore, never had a proper church burial and thus lay a curse on anyone who touched the skeleton. Oh dear. So why didn't he have a church burial? Well, ironically, because he was cursed. The original one from the witch doctor. The church didn't want to tempt fate. Can I just say, we do really think he was actually 10 inches long. Well, yes. I just... But, I mean, okay... I'm just stuck with that. I know there's there's a second this curse and he wasn't paid, but I, mm-hmm. ten inches. Yes, I'm still there. Yeah, I'm still with the ten inches. Yeah, yes. I mean that's not very. How can he be five foot eleven and go down to ten inches? I know that's the, that's the whole mystery of the whole thing. It's quite bizarre. 
There are other. There quite are quite bizarre. Yeah. I think it goes beyond quite bizarre. Yeah. Into oh, don't you think? <laughs> it is completely. And there are those that think, oh, well, it's an anatomical, um, an anatomical model of some sort. Yes. But we'll get to that as we go through. Okay. Right. So the church wouldn't wouldn't let him because he'd been no. cursed. So because he was originally cursed by the witch doctor, they didn't want to give him a Christian burial. Yeah, because uh, yeah. he was not buried. Oh. So they're not the not the church's finest hour. That wouldn't you think they'd say, little person? <laughs> I mean, very very. Yeah. yeah they um. It, maybe it wasn't their finest hour. However, they did pay for the casket, which was a sixpence at the time, which probably quite a lot of money then. Yeah. So what happened to the skeleton after it was discovered? Well, the builder who found it approached a man named Tony Cap, who was a local businessman, right. who the builder knew was interested in antiques and oddities. And this was indeed an oddity. Indeed, yes. And he asked him if he wanted to buy it. And Tony accepted the offer and bought the tiny skeleton. There then followed a reign of terror for 15 years Gosh. attributed to the curse of the shrunken sailor. What sort of things happened? Well, Tony Cap lent the skeleton in its casket to a friend of his, who was a chef who was working for him at the time. He wanted, that the chef that was, wanted to take it home with him to show his wife. Don't feel you ever have to do that. <laughs> Honestly, if you find yourself in a similar circumstance, don't don't feel it. Don't, don't, resist. Resist the urge. Okay, right, that's good to know. Yes. Good to know that up front. Yes. Not, don't bring any small skeletons home for you to have a look at. No, 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 really don't. <laughs> okay. Really don't. Right, so, or what about other memorid, um, morbid memorabilia in general? No, no, that's fine. Morbid okay. memorabilia in general is fine, just, just... Tell me, tell me afterwards, right. rather than bringing it home. Got it. Yeah. So the following Saturday, the chef, who had taken the yes. casket back home to see his wife, yes. and three friends, having spent some time in London, were heading back to Devon when they were involved in a head-on collision with another vehicle. Oh, my word. The three friends, they walked away unharmed. The chef was decapitated. Oh, my word. Decapitated? Decapitated. Oh, that's awful. I know. It's a proper omen-style death, isn't it? But that was just the beginning. A relation of Tony Cap took it home. For a joke, he decided to put it in his girlfriend's bed, or at least on her side of the bed, one assumes. Again, don't. <laughs> ever. Right. Right, I won't. The very next day, the relation had a brain hemorrhage and was close to death. Oh, and it was touch and go for a while, but he did pull through. Hang on a second. He took a cursed skeleton home to play a joke on his girlfriend. Yes. It's a pretty distasteful joke, particularly as some think that the skeleton was that of a fetus. Um, but you can imagine what seeing that would be like. Oh, my word. That's disgusting. And this Tony Cap, he gave it to the relative knowing its reputation and that it, it had decapitated a person. Not it itself, but it had led possibly a decapitation. Yeah, well, I think at this stage, although it looks pretty bad from Tony Caps from the way we're telling it at the yeah. moment, he wouldn't have known it was cursed at that point. So, no. he, you know, he, uh, the builder said, would you like this curiosity? He went, oh, lovely, thank you very much. Someone took it. Nasty things decapitated. Yeah. Someone then took it, got, you know, you'd, you'd be thinking, oh, that's not very good. So I think it was only after several of these dreadful things started to happen, all which had the common denominator of possessing or touching the skeleton, then he would have started to suspect 
that the skeleton was cursed. Well, it's given me a shiver, that one. Oh, I see. So were there other things that, ha- that yes. happened? The details are a bit sketchy, but it was reported that anyone who opened the casket and touched the skeleton befell some form of bad luck or tragedy. Right. One person developed an incurable disease and presumably died of such a said disease. Yes. Happy-go-lucky people became suicidal. Gosh. Normal, rational, calm people were driven to murder because of the curse of the shrunken sailor. So I assume at some point then it was thought that the skeleton was cursed and the reason for the tragedies. So Tony Cap stopped lending it out to friends and relatives or anyone for that matter. Yes, yes, that's right. However, Tony Cap became convinced of the skeleton's evil. Yeah. So he started to, it started to drive fear into Tony's heart. Oh my word. Sorry, that sounds like Tony Hart, doesn't it? It does. And Tony Cap's like, you did, <laughs> yes, it did, yeah. <laughs> yes. So it, started, so it started to drive fear into Tony Cap's heart. Yes. Yeah. He thought the longer he kept it, the curse would surely kill him. So did he know it was the skeleton of William Young at this point and therefore knew of the curse that had supposedly affected him? No. No, he's, he lived in fear of it due to the tragedies that had happened while it was in his possession. But he did not know of its origin at this stage. So how did he find out? Enter Graham Wiley. Okay, so who's Graham Wiley? Graham Wiley was known as Britain's number one ghostbuster. Cool. He investigated over 500 cases throughout the United Kingdom in his time and was consulted by celebrities and members of the British aristocracy, such Ooh. as uh, Bob Cartman. Oh, really? Perhaps. <laughs> That's right. He started off as a financier in the City of London and then get this. Yeah. He became an engineer and salesman for NASA. NASA? A salesman? What did NASA sell? <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, no. other than sort of T-shirts, hoodies and, you know, that, that sort of merch. I, I don't really know. Rockets, I suppose, back in the day when Graham Wiley was there with them. Gosh. But, see, uh, he was there for 17 years. At NASA? Yeah, at NASA. And then ran a florist and a greengrocer's in Linton, which is in North Devon, before becoming the nation's number one ghostbuster. So it's quite a varied career, isn't he it? He sounds amazing. Absolutely. He can turn his hand to anything, can't he? <laughs> yes. He can make you a nice floral arrangement and sell you a rocket. Yes. And, you, you know, with, with your uh, bag of carrots. With your bag of carrots. Yeah. yeah. That's quite something, isn't it? And a financier, so you'd understand the stock market. Absolutely. Gosh, he's a man to have for a dinner party, isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. And a ghostbuster. Yes. So. Oh, know. that's so cool. He was always interested in the paranormal. And at his time in NASA, it sparked an interest in UFOs because of the astronauts' accounts of encounters with strange objects. Accounts? Yes. Not stories. Accounts. What is that? Well, not not just stories. It's actual accounts by proper people who know what they're looking at. (laughs) Proper people. (laughs) Well, that's always what it sounds like, isn't it? it? I'm I'm being a bit mocking, but... uh, you so can trust like a pilot, yes. policeman, they yes. have accounts. Yes. The rest of us just have stories. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, great. Deluded people. Yeah, <laughs> that's that right. Not, yeah, because pilots, I always love it because they say they know what to, that yes. what to, things would look like in the sky. <laughs> that's right. I think I know what things I mean, look I like can, in the I sky. I can understand where they're coming from, but, uh, but yes, it does feel like, oh, us mere mortals. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Graham Confused had some... Confused fa- with a cloud and a plane. 
It is, isn't it? Yeah, or or one of those um, sort of uh, UFO suites that you know, someone might have thrown past us <laughs> or something. Oh, no, UFO <laughs> but a pilot, they'd know. A pilot would know that that's a suite. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> they go, oh, yeah. Anyway, Graham had some fascinating theories of what ghosts are. Ooh. Mainly that ghosts sort of fall into several categories. One, that they are earthbound spirits who have unfinished business. Or oh, who hates an unfinished to-do list. Yes, exactly. Mm. And they died before they were meant to, if you like. Yes, they so had things to do. Yes. Things to do on Friday. That's right. So yes. they haunt the place. Normally where they died or where they were happiest. Oh, right. Okay. And they're because, although they have enough ability to be able to communicate with psychically receptive people. Like it. He also said that one in 12 people were able to sense a non-physical presence. How did he come by that number? Who knows? I mean, it would be an odd survey, wouldn't it, to get by telephone if we stopped in the street. Hello. Would you mind answering some questions on your ability to perceive non-physical presences? Oh, well, it would be a bit different to the chuckles you normally get. Oh, it annoys me, like I said. Would you like to support poor dying orphans? To which you can only say... No. No, I don't want to support <laughs> poor dying orphans. <laughs> I am that harsh. <laughs> or they go, no, 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 I'm not trying to get you to do anything. You, well, why are you stopping me then? Yeah. yeah. With your clipboard. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think they're a pain. Yes. Um... You don't really get them now in pandemic times, do you? Well, that's true. It's been a while. It's it's, uh, almost nostalgic. He also thought that there were the hauntings that were not earthbound spirits, but psychic vibrations. Mm. Not unlike the stone tape theory that we covered in the Spooky Tale of the Hexham Heads episode that we did last year. Anyway, I digress. At this point, Graham Wiley was living in Brixham and was contacted by Tony Cap, who asked if he would be the skeleton's custodian. And he agreed, knowing its reputation? Or he, did he, he did he knew yeah, the reputation? he did indeed. And right. so he accepted knowing that reputation because he felt he had the psychic ability to deal with whatever it was that was causing the curse. So all these years that he'd been doing the, the sort of ghost hunting, yeah, he felt that his, his uh, psychic abilities had... He didn't sort of feel like he was a medium. No. Right, or anything like that. But he, large. Uh, but he did. That's right. He was, <laughs> it's an old joke. <laughs> I caught you there, didn't you? did, because... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He didn't feel like he was someone who could sense the spirits. He was very much someone who felt like his psychic ability grew the more he sort of investigated it. Oh, no, I can understand that. And he felt he had the sort of psychic strength to deal with whatever it was that was causing the curse. Yeah. However, he did invite a medium, not a large, called Margaret Barrett. Yes. to see if she could get in touch with the spirit of the skeleton. Oh, I see. And and she did and was able to find out who he was and what had happened. Is that right? Okay, that makes more sense. So she... so That's right. So the reason the why we know all about the, the skeleton and who it was and so on... Was from Margaret. Was from Margaret. Right. So, you know, if you're on the rational side and the materialist side of the world, this is all complete wobbly gobbledygook. No, well... Well, yes, if you... Ten, 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 no... <laughs> looking at me there <laughs> 10 inches still there yes. I know that was a while ago but I am still there still thinking no it can't be so you can't say I'm <laughs> you definitely had a look at your eye like mm. <laughs> no I, was, I don't think you were the, 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 the arch materialist or anything like that <laughs> yes <no>. exactly <laughs> so Margaret said that William so yeah Margaret got in touch with the skeleton and yes. uh, the spirit of the skeleton I was going to say touch with the skeleton <laughs> yeah. hello so, said that it was that William uh, William Young, who, who, who uh, she found out who it was, was extremely protective. And if you remember, uh, she'd found out that he was a sailor. 
Oh, I see. met a Gambian witch doctor who cursed him. Gambian? Yes. And um, that's why, and when he, and that's why he started, he, he shrank. Uh, so he was, as I was saying, five foot eleven when he got back to Brixham, and then just you know, smaller and smaller. Gosh. So he was, she also found out that he was very extremely protective of his skeleton and did right. not like the way people had treated his earthly remains with contempt. And so had his revenge on them, i.e. the decapitations and turning people into sort of mad psychotic people. Right. And so how did it end up into the, in the wall of the cottage? Well, Margaret found out that after the church would not let his body be buried in the graveyard, it was looked after by the Dashba family, a prominent family in the area. Their house, Dashba House, was renamed in 1925 and then demolished in 1965. So it's not clear how it got into the wall of a cottage on Dashba Lane, where Dashba House was previously located. It's just not clear. So, uh, did Graham Wiley... Wiley? Yes. So, did Graham have any problems? No. Margaret confirmed that William was happy to be looked after by Graham and his wife, Thelma, and gave his blessing for them to touch his remains. Oh. It's worth pointing out at this stage that Graham had the remains looked at by a home office pathologist who declared the remains genuine. Seriously? Well, yes, that's what it's that's what it's reported. However, on the other side of the coin, uh, Lynn Cap, who was Tony Cap's daughter, yes, she reported in the Brixham News some years later that uh, she actually thought that all the events that happened were not attributed to the skeleton. They were very much just things that were going to happen anyway. Life things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, that the skeleton was probably some sort of anatomical skeleton from a university or something like that. Yes. However, this Home Office pathologist declared the remains genuine. Gosh. So is, uh, is, is Graham still with us? Is his skeleton still with us and with Graham? Well, in a manner of speaking, yes. Graham actually died in the year 2000. Oh, right. Uh, he had the skeleton from 1990 onwards. So the skeleton of William Young was buried with Graham. Oh, right. A fitting end, I suppose. So he was properly buried in the end. Yes. That's what I thought. I thought that was quite a good idea, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So there we go, another spooky tale. Now, before we go, how about some ghost news? Spooky stories making paranormal headlines recently. Yeah, no, that sounds brilliant. Ghost news. This first one is not so much a ghost story, but a ghoulish tale nonetheless. Oh, I like them. It's a tooth returned by Belgium. As in the country? Yes, Belgium, the land of chocolate, waffles and beer. Yum. A tooth was returned by Belgium to the family of the Congo's first Prime Minister, Patrice Lumumba. Cool. He was assassinated by the Belgium-backed militia in 1961. He'd only been Prime Minister for six months. His body was dissolved in acid by a Belgian police commissioner but he kept the tooth as a trophy. That's appalling. It is the police commissioner. I have no That's... idea But Belgian police were into that sort of thing, government were into that sort of thing. I know, but you, when you hear about things that did happen, you know, in that kind of, oh, yes. Yeah. So finally, the Bel- uh, Belgian government have said, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, this yeah, is all we've got, I'm afraid. <laughs> Good, <laughs> I'm glad like they said, oh, yeah. dearie me. Dearie me. So anyway, so they've, 
Yeah, that is unpleasant. Yeah, so our next uh, news item is that of a family fleeing a caravan site in Norfolk in the east of England. Oh, what happened? Well, a poltergeist has been responsible for moving caravans in Norfolk and frightening a family holidaying there. Oh, dear. Included all the usual tropes, temperature drops, feelings of dread and suffocation. It was enough to make the family flee the caravan site in a sort of low-budget, low-key poltergeist movie sort of way. Right. Talking of holidays, our next item is that of the experience of Holly Abraham and her three young children aged between 7 and 11 at Porthoustock Beach in Cornwall. We've not been there, have we? Don't no. We've been in the southwest of England. We've been to Cornwall, yes, but we no, haven't been that to I that beach. I Helston. Oh, we should go. Yeah. The British newspaper The Sun gave the following headline, and I, and I quote, Arse about face. Mum's shock as she finds a face imprinted on her bum. End quote. <laughs> That is an excellent headline. They were pretty good at headlines. <laughs> they are really good. Exactly. Yeah. It turns out that while they were on the beach enjoying the sun and sand, well, it's not so that actually that beach isn't so sandy, I don't think. Holly's daughter, Sky, took a photograph from behind her mum who was dressed in a blue pantsuit. Is that what you call them? Pantsuits? Jumpsuit. The jumpsuit? Yes, it's jumpsuit. Ah, uh, right. Okay, jumpsuit. So she was dressed in the blue in the blue jumpsuit, looking at the cliffs, and on the sh- shorts part of the party suit. No, jumpsuit. Sorry, a jumpsuit. On her left buttock, to be precise, you can clearly make out a face. Wow. Holly was alerted to this fact by her 10-year-old daughter, who, when looking through the photos later, said, and again I quote, Mum, you have a face on your bum. Excellent. (laughs) So the face actually is quite sinister, and it freaked out Holly, especially after she learned that the beach is very haunted due to yeah. all the shipwrecks in the years gone by. Oh, my word. Oh, it's, we definitely should go there, yeah. then. It's also been cursed by St Kevern. Right. But there's actually a place called St Kevern. One assumes it was named after him. Yes. Kevern died in the 6th century because, and I quote, this is the reason for the for the curse. He said that uh, it was because of the irreligion of the people, end Ooh. quote. However, they were a rowdy bunch there. <laughs> it sounds like it, yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just enjoyed a beer and he just wasn't into that sort yes, of Yes, exactly. Anyway, Holly believes that she may have picked up the spirit of a pirate on her jumpsuit. That's brilliant. Uh, hopefully it came out in the wash. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Our final news item uh, is of a cheating ghost lover. Gosh, there's a whole lot in that, isn't there? <laughs> Absolutely. Just kind of... I mean, to unpack that statement, it's quite something, isn't it? Yes. You know, just the phrase, ghost lover. Yes. For a start. Who was cheating? Who was cheating? And what was it, cheating at cards or, or what? Yeah. Anyway, Gary Denoyer from New Jersey in the US of A claims that the pandemic has damaged his relationship with his ghost girlfriend, Lisa, who's been going, going out for two years. Excellent. Initially, they spent every day together. Gary was quite anxious during this worrying time and says that Lisa was his rock. His his ghost girlfriend. His ghost girlfriend, Lisa. Right. Was his rock. Yes. She would help him cook and fold the laundry. No, that's not bad, actually, is no. it? No. To pass the time, they would watch TV and, well, you know, do what girl and boyfriends do when they sort of like each other. His ghost girlfriend. His ghost girlfriend. Yes. yes they do ghost things. Fun things, yes. Yes. So it was reported, however, lately, that Gary says that Lisa, his ghost girlfriend, has been going out a lot. When he asks her where she's going, she just says, out with friends. His ghost girlfriend. girlfriend, (laughs) Right. Also, the thing that girlfriends and boyfriends do when they like each other a lot hasn't been happening as much recently. Right. 
So Gary thinks that Lisa, his girl's girlfriend, has been having an affair. Gosh. When he decided to confront her, yes. she said that he was being paranoid. Okay. Now, this is my favourite bit. Yes. So to quote Gary, he yes. says in the interview to the newspaper, I mean, I'm not crazy, am I? Well, that's that's a leading question, <laughs> isn't a it? Bit, bit of a debate on that one, I think. Talking, talking about your ghost girlfriend. That's right. And he goes on to say on that, and I quote Gary again. Yes. I mean, it is possible that this may all be in my mind and I'm overthinking it. Ooh. Isolation is taking its toll. Yes. I am feeling for Gary at the moment. I really am. I do have to and mention... And ghost girlfriend. Yes, I do have to mention, though. That on a quick search, there's also a comedian called Gary DeNoyer, who also lives in Jersey, who looks very similar from the pictures. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it's either... It's Do you think it might not be completely true? I think this might be a comedy stunt. Oh, yeah. most excellent, though. Absolutely. It was that like- was glorious for that little moment that I actually <laughs> thought somebody was upset about his... Ghost girlfriend cheating. I like that. Indeed. So there we are, the end of this episode's ghost news. I like ghost news. Excellent. Well, we shall do that again then. Ghost news. We hope you enjoyed this spooky tale and the ghost news. We look forward to joining you again next time. If you've enjoyed this spooky tales, please do tell others and please leave a review so it can help other people who might like our podcast find us. Thank you. Please do tell us your spooky tales either in the YouTube comments or via email, which is the spooky tales podcast at gmail.com. And come and follow us on Instagram at the spooky tales podcast. Or why not visit us on our Facebook page at spooky tales. Thanks again. Until next time. Bye. Bye.